So what happens when you are denied a disability accommodation? Why might that happen, and can you do anything about it? Can a faculty member make that decision? What should you, as a college student, expect when you seek accommodations from disability services? And what can you do if they don't approve the accommodations you need or want? These are questions that every college student faces at one point or another when they come across an accommodation that they think they should have, but maybe disability services isn't able to provide. So let's take a closer look at that today and see if we can figure out some options for you to seek out. Welcome to College Disabilities and Success, Episode 94, When Colleges Deny an Accommodation, by Mickey Hayes. The opinions in this podcast are my own, but please reach out to your college, physician, or legal services for additional information. The first thing we want to do is define a disability and get clarity on that meaning. The ADA defines a person with a disability as a person who has a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits one or more major life activities. This includes people who have a record of such an impairment, even if they do not currently have a disability. It also includes individuals who do not have a disability, but are regarded as having a disability. So what are major life activities? Major life activities are those functions that are important to most people's daily lives. Examples of major life activities are breathing, walking, talking, hearing, seeing, sleeping, caring for oneself, performing manual tasks, and working. Major life activities also include major bodily functions, such as immune system functions, normal cell growth, digestive, bowel, bladder, neurological, brain, respiratory, circulatory, endocrine, and reproductive functions. That information is taken from the the ADA National Network which includes information, guidance, and training on the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act. So what does it mean when somebody is regarded as having a disability? According to that same website, the ADA National Network website, they give the example of a man who has cancer. A person who has cancer was treated for cancer, and the cancer is in remission. There's no evidence of the cancer. The cancer doesn't show. But... If that person is denied something, an accommodation, whether in school or at a job, because they once had cancer, and what if it comes back and they couldn't do the job, that would mean that they were denied an accommodation because they were regarded as having a disability. That person has had a record of a disability and is being discriminated against for that reason. I will include the link where I got that specific information in the show notes today, so that you can go there and get more details if you wish. All right, so let's answer one question straight away from the get-go. Can a professor deny an accommodation? The answer to that is no. As long as the accommodation came from disability services, the professor cannot deny that accommodation. Now, if the professor objects to the accommodation, they may have a conversation with disability services to find out exactly where they stand in terms of objecting to the accommodation. And disability services would then be able to explain to them what would happen if that accommodation 
gets denied. That's why it's so important that if you are getting accommodations for college, that you do get them through disability services. That is the legal route to accommodations. Now, according to the ADA, accommodations also need to be reasonable. So how do you define reasonable? Well, in most cases, reasonable means that the resource or the accommodation that disability services is providing will do the job it's meant to do. It may not necessarily be the exact same thing that you expected, but it should be reasonably expected to do the job. For example, let's say Disability Services has a piece of software that will allow you to dictate an essay test. And it may not be the normal way that you do things, but it would do the job. So Disability Services could provide that software as a reasonable accommodation You couldn't expect them to go out and get you the other software if they have one that already will work for you because their original software was a reasonable accommodation. So if you had a high school accommodation, should you still be able to get that accommodation in college? You might get the accommodation. It will depend on the documentation that you have, but it won't necessarily automatically happen when you get to college because everything the college is doing is for equal access, and everything they are doing for equal access is based on the documentation that you provided. So let's take a look at that documentation. If you provide the college with weak documentation, let's say you have a 504 plan that doesn't even have a disability identified in it, they would have a right to deny you accommodations based on that 504 plan. If there's no identifying disability, if all it says is other health impaired, there's a good chance it's going to get denied. It's simply too generic and too nonspecific. Another reason an accommodation might get denied is if the documentation that you do provide doesn't address the need that you are seeking the accommodation for. Let me explain this to you. Very often, in order to get a math accommodation, you are going to need specific math documentation. But if the paperwork that you're providing doesn't address your math skills one way or the other, then chances are you're not going to get that math accommodation. And that goes for any particular accommodation that you need. Reading, writing, spelling, math. There should be something specific in that documentation that addresses those needs. Another reason that your accommodation may be denied is that the accommodation that you are seeking is not related to a disability. I had documentation and the psychologist recommended readers and note takers for the individual, but the recommendation was based on the fact that the person was struggling with English as a second language, not based on the fact that the person had a disability. Because the need was there, but the disability evidence wasn't, we could not do anything to provide the accommodation. It was not disability related. Now, perhaps somebody else could have done it through that documentation, but not disability services. Maybe you paid a whole lot of money for a psych evaluation that doesn't show a disability. I did have one student who brought in a $6,000 report, and nowhere on there did it show a disability. A lot of bells and whistles and a lot of fancy words, but when you dug in and read it completely, there was no evidence of a disability. And unfortunately, I couldn't help that person. So even though it may appear on the surface 
like you've got good documentation. You need documentation that identifies the disability, preferably with a DSM number or an ICD code number, and preferably a narrative that explains specifically what the issues are. There should also be data showing an IQ test or an IQ score and academic and cognitive testing as it relates to that IQ score. These are all things that a disability services professional would look for in that documentation, in good documentation. Now, if you go to the ADA website, there are other types of documentation besides psychological evaluations, and sometimes they can be used in addition to your documentation as supporting documentation, but that would be up to disability services. Because remember, every college's disability services office determines their own parameters and guidelines for accepting documentation. One of the things we couldn't take, for example, where I worked, was we couldn't take a diagnosis written on a prescription pad. It had to be written on a legal, formal letterhead document. So if anybody brought me a prescription note, they had to go back to their doctors and get it again with the correct format that we needed, letterhead, and signed. Had to be signed by the doctor. Believe it or not, I've gotten documentation that wasn't signed, and I had to send it back to get signed. Now, I always recommended to students that if they thought they had a disability, if they struggled with issues like memory or reading or writing or math, any number of things, that they go talk to disability services even if they don't have the documentation on hand. And I offered that for several reasons. I could usually provide somebody that they could go to for a reasonably priced testing to see if they did indeed qualify for disability services. Sometimes I could get clarity from the psychologist who actually wrote the original evaluation. If that's all I needed, then that would hold things up a little bit till I got that clarity, but it would make the documentation be acceptable then. Because quite honestly, sometimes a psychologist who's doing the testing doesn't necessarily know exactly what these schools and colleges need to qualify that testing. So a conversation with a psychologist in disability services can sometimes help. I also always like to talk to the students because sometimes I could figure out through our conversations that maybe they didn't have evidence of a learning disability, but they were diagnosed all through school as having ADHD. Now, ADHD does not require, in our case, did not require a full blown psychological evaluation, that could usually be taken care of through a medical doctor's letter. So ask that question if that's the case for you or your child in college with ADHD. I also like to interview students, even if they don't have documentation, because sometimes there are multiple disabilities that they don't even realize exist or that they can even get accommodations for. And sometimes I can pick up through our conversation additional information that may help. But sometimes I can't. I had someone who really struggled with memory and studying and being successful in school. And it was because the person had sleep apnea. And he was pretty sure that that was causing all of his problems. Unfortunately, he didn't have the insurance to get the sleep apnea tests that he needed in order to qualify for disability services. And we tried for quite a while to figure out alternative ways that he could address his problem. But without any sort of substantial documentation, my hands were tied 
and there was nothing I could do. So that is unfortunately the reality, but it always is worth a conversation because nine times out of 10, through that conversation, Disability Services may be able to pick up on something that they can help you with. Now, one thing that students used to come to me a lot with that I couldn't help specifically was test anxiety. Now, I've heard rumors that it may be possible to get accommodations now for test anxiety. When I was doing the job, that was not an an acceptable diagnosis. An anxiety disorder or a generalized anxiety disorder that covered various facts of life would be acceptable. But test anxiety in and of itself was not acceptable. So I strongly, strongly urge you, if you are dealing with test anxiety, to go talk to disability services and find out if they can help you because that that disability may qualify now where it never did before. Honestly, I've had people sit and talk to me for a while and suddenly talk about, well, when they see their counselor and a little bell goes off or a little red flag pops up and says, counselor, what are you getting a counselor for? Well, I have been seeing a counselor because I had an abuse situation when I was a child. And so I'm dealing with a lot of that mental health still. Well, that's an accommodation we can address and we can help you with. But I wouldn't have known it. And that person would not have realized that I could help except through that conversation. So having those conversations is critical with disability services, especially in the cases where mental health disabilities are evident. So if you can't get an accommodation, you may need testing. You may need to have additional conversations with disability services. Disability services may need to reach out to the person who tested you on the old documentation to see if that will help. You may be able to get supporting documentation through a former teacher or a former counselor or therapist that you worked with. There are options, but you need to talk to Disability Services to find out what they are. And if all else fails, there's always an appeals process. All the schools have them. Generally, you would go to that Disability Services superior, probably the Dean of Student Services, and find out if there's any way that you could get support from them and what your options are as far as appealing that decision is concerned. Just remember, accommodations in high school are not going to be the same in college. And remember also that professors can't deny an accommodation. And if they do, you need to talk to disability services. And remember also that you have options, that you can talk to a dean or somebody of higher authority to find out what your options are. And I hope you gained some insight from today's presentation because it's really sad to see somebody struggle with issues and not be able to get that equal access accommodation that they need. So explore your options, get clarity on the documentation, and see if you can't figure out the appropriate resources that might be available for you or for your child. If you have any questions about this topic or any other topic, please reach out to me at mickeyteaches at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-K-I-E teaches at gmail.com or check out my website as mickeyteaches.com and look at some of the blog articles that I've written that may help you. There are a lot of resources out there. I have put together my own ebook with about 30 some questions called Insights from a Disability Specialist that give you questions that you can ask to disability services offices as your kids transition to college. All of those links will be in today's show notes. But in the meantime, I hope you have a great rest of the day and a wonderful new year. Bye.
Information contained throughout this podcast has been gleaned from my own personal experiences. But to ensure accuracy, please contact the Disability Services at the College of Your Choice to have first-hand information and the most up-to-date policies and procedures followed by your particular institution of higher education. The content in any of these podcasts is not intended as a substitute for information from legal, educational, or medical professionals. Always seek the advice of your attorney or qualified health care provider with any questions you may have with regards to legal, educational, or medical concerns.